Hello, and welcome to an antiquated episode of the Drywall Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Harmon. With us today, Derek Trout of East Coast Drywall Tools discusses his role in preserving the integrity of the old school tools in the industry, a little bit about the Wilkel tools and how his father came up with that brand. Ah, which was okay. called Wilco tools. And, and we still under that name, we still make a couple products. I'm not really out there competing with the other manufacturers because I, um, I'm really, my joy is to really, you know, sell the tools and to help the end user learn how to optimize the tool. You okay. know, so, so whenever I can take a guy, that's been out there, maybe just hand finishing. He's doing a good job. He, but he, he decides, well, I want, I'm getting more work. I want to add the tools. Well, if I can double his speed, I can instantly increase the amount of income that he's making. Shout out to Kevin Bush for introducing me to this knowledgeable person in the industry. I'm super grateful to have met him and I'm excited for you guys to meet him as well. I'm also excited to introduce our newest sponsor for the month of June, which is going to be an exciting month, Columbia Tools. Columbia Tools helps you get through your workday more easily and more efficiently. How do they do this, you might ask? Well, they have a line of automatic and semi-automatic drywall finishing tools that'll help you spend less time on each job, and that saves you money. They're not selling you just any tool. They're selling you the ability to be armed and ready to dominate your finishing game. Columbia Tools is a family-owned and operated business that's been rocking the drywall finishing scene for over four decades. Manufactures commercial-grade tools right in Canada using cutting-edge machinery and all North American materials. I had the distinct pleasure of getting to interview Aaron and Elliot in episodes 23 and 26 a two-part series on the drywall podcast and i get to have the even more distinct privilege of interviewing bernie their dad who founded columbia tools live this month from vancouver bc stay tuned for that now you have an opportunity to join the family as well if you visit www.columbiatools.com or visit their instagram page tiktok page and facebook pages at columbia tools and check out their online community now the drywall podcast was also brought to you by fresco harmony making walls better since 2004 now available at csrbuilding.com csr is also giving away guests of the drywall podcast a sweet swag bucket and we appreciate them for that but for now Let's travel into the history of the drywall tools and beyond with our very special guest, Derek Trout, on this, the 53rd episode of the Drywall Podcast. Let's get into it. 
Damn, Every- that be- that beard's impressive, sir. <laughs> well. Scared me a little bit there. I thought I was like, uh, I thought I was going to have to ask you for uh, or tell you what I wanted for Christmas. Well, I, I, I always tell guys, <laughs> enough of the fat jerks when they tell me that, but then right. I've been trying to slim down a little bit. But And what town are you in, Derek? We are in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. Mechanicsburg. What an interesting name. Kind of close to Harrisburg, between York and Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. That's okay. All right. And I'm a little off today, too. I went to my office and the Internet was working. Normally, I have my office backdrop. So we have Derek Trout of East Coast Drywall Tools, a 50-year-old veteran in the trade from Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. What do you want to know? And Kevin Bush, Kevin Bush, you know Kevin Bush. He's been on the show before. Um, he does Adventures in Drywall for uh, Walls and Ceilings magazine. Fantastic guy. He said, you got to reach out. You got to do an interview with uh, Derek Trout. You know, Kev- Kevin was one of my, he was one of my early inspirations. I used to read the Walls and Ceilings magazine and, you know, he would pop up. And I, I always thought it was great that, you know, a guy could go from doing drywall to, you know, getting involved in other things. And, you know, that was magazine media back then. And yeah. now, now we're on, you know, doing Zoom calls, which, you know, is a little bit new to me. Kind of cool, though, right? Oh, definitely cool. I mean, there's I a get- lot. Of, there's, you know, I've always liked the different guys that I've seen over the years. You know, um, you know, Kevin, you know, uh, Myron Ferguson. Yeah, Just, you know, a good drywall guy that got involved and he was writing articles for, you know, fine home building and other yep. magazines, his own publications. And it, yep. I've always been fascinated by, you know, just other aspects. So you're in a trade that you really learn and you love, and then you get to expand out into other things that, you know, possibly you just enjoy or you can share with others, you know, even yeah. possibly make a little bit of income for yourself off of it, you know. Sure. Like a podcast, for instance. Yep, that's kind of why, you know, <laughs> a little bit, little bit scary here because I've never done one, but it's still, you know, very interesting. So I thought, hey, you know, it's definitely worth, you know, talking to somebody, you know, even yourself, you know, starting with your own products, your yeah. own trade, and now you're doing podcasts. It's there's yeah. a lot of a lot of cool things that you can do, you know, yeah. outside of your your normal grind, you know, and that's yeah, that's like. Yeah. And as you go down the rabbit hole of the podcast, I encourage you to listen to the Myron Ferguson podcast. It's really good. Like he does a good job. We have a great conversation about the industry. As you listen to some of these podcasts, you know, in your own time, um, you'll find like there's a there's a community being built. You know, I got to meet Aaron and Elliot with Columbia Tools. We're going up there next month to do a training at their facility. That's how I got into CSR. Um, you know, uh, Myron, I knew prior, but uh, this is, there hasn't been a real good, I think, way for us to connect. Um, you know, Walls and Ceilings was there, but now it's it's kind of neat because all of these drywall guys with social media and Instagram and Facebook and stuff, they're getting to we're getting to all connect and come together. It's very cool. I, I think it's very interesting. You yeah. know, I remember one time um, I was talking with Myron and his wife was there and she she got into the conversation and, and she expressed, you know, drywall doesn't seem like a real 
super interesting topic, maybe to a lot of people, but, you know, she, she expressed, she goes, you know, after, you know, seeing what Myron does and, and basically kind of getting caught up in his enthusiasm, you know, it's people's love of their particular industry or their trade that, it, you know, you can get caught up in, even if it's not your own. And, you yeah. know, so it was just a neat insight that, you know, she kind of threw in there as we were talking that, that I, I remember from years ago. Well, that's become illuminated also with the podcast is that a lot of people are under the assumption that I do drywall because there's nothing else that I could do in this life. And I, that's not been the case with a lot of interviewees. People choose drywall because they have an affinity for the mud or they like it, or maybe their dad did it and then now they're doing it, but they enjoy it. Um, not everybody, of course, but there's a big conglomerate of people out there that that really enjoy drywall. And there's no there's no venue for us to really talk about it. You know, your wife, my wife, they get sick of hearing about drywall, of course. But it's it's extra special when you get to come on and talk about something as weird as drywall, talk about the bazooka, talk about nobody else knows the box tools. You know, nobody knows what those are. I remember years ago, whenever I was in even like grade school, you know, people would ask you, well, what, what career do you want to, you want to get into, or what do you want to do? And, you know, you mm -hmm. hear a lot of, oh, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a fireman. I want to be the president, you know, and, you know, thinking back, you know, back then being a drywall guy wasn't necessarily the most, um, I don't know, elevated position that you could look <laughs> for, but that was what, that was what yeah. my answer was because, you know, my father owned a drywall company. You know, Interesting. And I some weird looks, maybe from the teacher. Some of the kids might have heard, you know, people talking about construction guys or drywall guys, you know. So looking back, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of funny. But um, but there's, you know, I know so many people. It's always been a great trade where you can you can use to, you know, feed your family, you know, take it's yeah. easy to get into. You can get into it in all different levels. You can be a patch guy. You doing on your own or you can be running you know you could be running 100 guys in a company i mean there's there's just a lot of levels and a lot of different aspects of it that you can learn you know and i started in the trade working for my father when i was about 14 years old that's when i started okay. mud so okay your dad your dad owned a company yep we had trout drywall service uh he got well he went into business on his own in about 1968 and uh, right about there i still have his original rental receipts from Ames taping tools cool. uh, when he started renting the entire set of automatic taping tools and okay you know, well hold on hold on here let's give a little like what you do currently and then we'll dive into just to give our listeners a background of who Derek Trout is let now and I don't even know like do you you sell tools for other companies do you refurbish tools give me a brief a summary of what you do now you've got tools behind you there at your shop yeah. uh just a brief like maybe three minute uh summary of what you do now and then we'll dive into the past okay well right now what i do is i i basically sell automatic taping tools and other drywall related products and uh, not so much the actual sheetrock or the mud but i'm a specialty store um and we I sell pretty much all the major brands that are out there. I mean, Columbia, you mentioned earlier, uh, yep. we deal with them. I sell Tape Tech, Level okay. 5, Drywall Master. Uh, we sell some, uh, I guess it's Tape Pro now. And um, 
there's you know probably other ones that I'm missing sheetrock brands dura stilts pretty okay. much anything that the drywall finisher uh, could could really want to use and along with that I help guys learn how to operate the tools you know okay. from my experience growing up and uh, and we also service and we work on the automatic tools okay and you work on you work on any tool pretty much uh automatic taping tools your bazookas your flat boxes okay. you know all all that type of thing we we okay. guys and uh and we've also done some rentals in the past depending on on what guys really okay. need okay and that's called that's called east coast drywall east coast. tools and do, do you have a brick and mortar shop we do that's where i'm okay. sitting in my showroom right now where okay it's not out along the main highway, but we're, you know, we're back in and it, so we're so trade specific that, you know, once guys find out about us, they, you know, they'll come and see us or, you know, word of mouth, you know, I don't really need yeah. to on the million dollar mile to, you know, I don't get a lot right. of, um, you know, just, you know, not a lot of housewives and, and younger people shop in my store, mostly yeah. hardworking guys looking to put more work in their hands is pretty much who we deal with. Okay. Okay. So let's back up. That's, that's who Derek Trout is today. Um, very cool. You're sort of a cult. And then maybe you would say that you have like kind of a cult following, um, you know, people know about you. Do people send you tools to fix and check out? Do people buy, do you have an online shop? Uh, right now we're working on an online shop. We're a little okay. behind on it. We should have okay. had it had it going uh you know a long time ago but guys do call me up and they 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 can ship their tools in for repair uh we ship all over the place you know we've okay i've shipped internationally yeah we ship our, our tools pretty much where they need to go very cool all right cool let's let's back up a little bit did you say trout drywall service that was like 1960 what about 1968 is when right. my father went into business for himself and okay. he had been involved previous to that, you know, working for other, other people, but he was early, early in using the automatic taping tools. I mean, there's a lot of people still, I, I hear it all the time, you know, people don't even know these tools exist and they, or I see, you know, conflicts going online, you know, oh, yeah. I'm old school versus, you know, newfangled automatic taping tools. And I, yeah. I say, well, sometimes I'll chime in and, you know, some of these taping tools, I think some of the earlier Ames patents actually go back to about 1939. Okay. And the bazooka, is it, kind of as it exists now hasn't changed a whole lot i believe since the 1950s 1960s okay so, you know old school is you know yeah definitely pan and knife but these uh, automatic taping tools have been around for a long time i ran very briefly i used to love to run the bazooka back when i ran i had a short stint in drywall kind of just enough to sort of round out you know to get fast and then I started on this Fresco Harmony path, with, which led me completely away from the tools and sort of the trade. I'm still in there a little bit. But uh, I got to run. I went up to CSR. They had a Black Friday event in Canada. And I'll mention CSR sometimes because uh, they're carrying Fresco Harmony, my product in Canada, which is pretty cool. Um I got to run. That's the first time I met Aaron and I got to run the Predator. And I mean, I hadn't I hadn't even held a bazooka in 20 years. And that I ran one angle and I was like, oh man, this thing's like a Cadillac, you know, it's all uh, 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 carb, uh, carbon. 
carbon fiber. Yeah, yeah, just like a just like a really good, a really uh, good mountain bike, you know. Oh, definitely. Yeah, there's there's been some definite improvements on the tools over the years. Okay. But you know they're very very similar to what the early ones were. There's you know okay. a, lot the, a lot of the parts would probably still interchange from some of the you know early tools versus the new stuff that come out. Well, I'm saying there's still you know all the companies are trying to be competitive with each other. They're trying to make improvements you know, one up each other and, you know, try to be the best ultimate tool that's out there. And, you know, everybody yeah. has their their strong points and, you know, and occasionally there's a weakness, but it, it's really amazing to see the technology that's out there. Yeah. I, I believe I, I heard somebody, I'm not sure where this came from, but at one point it was stated that the, that the automatic taping machine is the, at one time was the most complex purely manual tool ever invented at that time period, you know, because I think with screws and nuts and bolts, I think there's 300 and some different pieces to the, okay. you know, so it's, it's really quite a uh, interesting tool, you know, as far as things that you see out there. I was always fascinated with it. I mean, just the, you know, the ingenuity that went into creating that tool, I think is next level. I mean, you're probably not far off. There's probably some pretty cool, machines out there but it's pretty spectacular um i mean do, can you tell me more about what you know about the the first taping tools that came out i know that kevin told me that you have a gaggle of these old old like vintage drywall tools still kicking around in your shop um is that is that true Oh, I do. I probably have one of the one of the larger <laughs> collections of antique drywall tools that you might find out there. Cool. Um, there's a couple guys out there um, that that are interested in the tools. And, okay. Uh, you know, one of my friends was uh, Bruce Gust out at Al's Taping Tools. He he had a very large collection, and and him and I we would we would uh, talk sometimes for hours on the phone and trade stuff back and forth. You know, because you know if he had multiples of something and he wanted something for his collection, you know. Uh, okay. Do a little bit of horse trading, you know, because I don't need to hoard everything, but I do like to have the, have different tools to look at. Um, sure. And part of the fascination for me is in the in the '90s, my father actually started manufacturing his own brand of automatic taping tools, ah, which was okay. called Wilco Tools. And and we still under that name, we still make a couple products. I'm not really out there competing with the other manufacturers because I. Um, I'm really, my joy is to really, you know, sell the tools and to help the end user learn how to optimize the tool. You okay. know, so, so whenever I can take a guy that's been out there, maybe just hand finishing, he's doing a good job, he, but he, he decides, well, I want, I'm getting more work. I want to add the tools. Well, if I can double his speed, I can instantly increase the amount of income that he's making. So that I really enjoy that part of what I'm doing right now is just from the knowledge and things that I've learned over the years as a finisher, I can basically share it with somebody and, you know, really help them to, to up their game and to earn a better living for themselves. And that is the part of the joy that I get out of what um, what I'm doing right now. Okay. Um, which tools does Wilco, which tools did Wilco make? And what do you still make that's kind of like you, you've, you've sort of uh, narrowed your scope down to? Well, we make um, 
we make some parts that interchange on some of the tools, um, just parts we use for rebuilding older tools. Okay. Some of the parts that might have been discontinued, um, we'll, we still have the capabilities. We have a small machine shop where we can keep, if you have an older tool, you can't find parts for it anymore. Okay. We might either have it in our, you know, I have like a small junkyard of tools where I can pull the old parts off of or... Very know, cool. Or I can possibly manufacture the part. I mean, it's, um, we also make products for back blocking drywall for, for the drywall butt joints. Okay. Where that it'll recess the butt joint and, uh, just a, a few things. Uh, our main, our main business right now is, is, you know, selling the retail of the automatic tools and, uh, and we're also still doing, we're also a waterproofing contractor. So my father started that in 1972. And we spray tar below grade on new foundations to waterproof the house before they backfill. So we just, um, it's just one of the things that me and my partner kind of uh, inherited and, and took over. And we've just been doing it for years. And it was always a good co-business for the drywall business. Because once we were a drywall, once we had a builder that we were working for, we could always add, hey, we're doing your drywall who's doing your waterproofing or we're doing your waterproofing. Who's doing your drywall. So, you know, a lot of the business aspects, um, you know, I learned on the ground, you know, just listening to my father over the years and how he talked to people and how he, you know, approached business. I mean, I'm not a kind of, I'm a hands-on guy. You know, I, like I said, I grew up as a drywall finisher. I've, you know, I'm not, not a, not a college educated type of a person, more learning in like the, the farmstead, you know, kind of hands yeah. on, it's broke, you find something to fix it, you know, just keep going and, you know, not stop. And that's, which is, yeah. which is good. And you know, I find that with a lot of the, the drywall guys that are out there. I mean, it's, they're innovators, you know, yeah, they need to figure out how to do something so that, you know, and they want to do it. I mean, even with, you know, your business, the Fresco Harmony, you see an opportunity, you want to, do a different type of a finish and you figure out a way to do it and it yeah. worked. And then you want to share it with people because you're excited about it. I mean. Yeah. The ingenuity is a lot of fun. I think that too, um, there's a, there's a wisdom in diversification and you do speak very well, regardless of your, uh, your educational background. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure you're quite a business person. Um, that what is your favorite? So you have this collection of uh, like vintage tools, and we do get a lot of people on here that have. I guess it's a two part question. We get a lot of people on here that have old tools. I interviewed Bernie Mitchell, and he talked about like he's got three generations of bazookas, you know, that he's kept. He's kept all his old tools, and he only runs them himself, so he takes care of them. And, uh, you know, they're running. So do you know who Bernie is? Bernie, um, I don't recognize that name. He's like, uh, he's an artist out of uh, out of Canada, out of Toronto area. Um, he, he His stuff kind of went viral. He does sculpture art with... Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, I've, actually, I've seen his. Yeah. Seen, yeah, I just... Sometimes, the, you know, I, I remember the faces quicker than I yeah. put the names together. It takes me a little yeah. bit. But definitely, yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize that he... He was also into collecting. Well, he's an avid listener of the podcast. I'm sure he will enjoy this podcast because we're talking about the tools, as as would I'm sure a lot of uh, a lot of people that are out there that run the tools that are interested in the history of the tools, like that sort of thing. Um, 
Aaron and Elliot and I get into the history of tools a little bit with uh, with uh, about their dad, Bernie, and his whole beginnings with Columbia Tools. It's pretty interesting. Um, well, Aaron actually helped me acquire one of one of my favorite uh, tools. It's a it's an automatic taping machine. Okay. And I, and I found it. I found it online, and this and an old fella had it. He was like in his seventies, and <laughs> I. I wanted to buy the tool and I contacted him. Well, he had no interest in, in shipping it internationally and I had never seen it. He actually had it listed as a Columbia tool, but oh. I, I had never seen one before. And so I contacted uh, Aaron and I asked him about it and he talked with his dad and he knew about the tool and it, and I, okay. I still have limited information on it. It was made by an Italian and they, I think they made maybe like 50 of them. And Anyway, I, I asked the fella, I, I seen that he was located about maybe a half hour from Columbia Tools. So I, I said, I asked him, I said, well, would you be willing to take this up to, to Columbia? And, and, you know, Aaron offered to actually receive the tool from the fella and, and ship it to me and help me with the purchase. So, so they cool. really helped me out. And then, you know, being that, that um that bernie was able to confirm that it actually wasn't a columbia tool and he knew a little bit about it it gave me a little bit of history and okay uh, i've seen one other pop up online and i think it, it was actually in italy that, that another okay. person had but that's so that's a pretty unique you know there's only only a couple um yeah and i have one of the early cole west banjo which is kind of like an automatic uh <laughs> banjo taper and they, back in the early 70s, they made about 50 of those and a, and a fella bought the company and now he's still working on it and refining it. And it's called a techno banjo. And occasionally I see those pop up online and he's running them and, you know, he's still out there innovating and, and pushing it. And it's a really cool tool. And uh, so I know some people use those and, uh, you know, I haven't got one of the new versions, but. I do have one of the originals that was out there that I've, you know, been able to. Are you in close proximity to this Cole West banjo or the bazooka that you could like show on here? Well, I can show, I can grab, uh, well, the Cole West banjo, it's out on the wall, but I do have the one that, that Columbia helped me with. I don't know if you can, if yeah. you can see it here. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. This here. Now what, so what year is this, is this a uh, bazooka? <sighs> Boy, I tell you, I'm not even sure. I'm thinking it was 70s or 80s. Um, okay. I, I would love to have more history on it if anybody out there recognizes it and has has the history on it. But it's it's definitely um, there's no no control tube on it. It's cutting mechanism. Or it's operated by a couple levers here at the bottom. Okay. Uh, it's it's uh, it's definitely it actually has a cutter here on the top, and it's just like I said, Ooh. I haven't haven't had it out to uh, operate it but it is pretty much unlike anything that and does that does that wheel does the wheel like operate the um the crease the crease wheel yeah the one of the levers at the bottom here will operate okay. the crease wheel and then the okay. other lever cuts it so basically there's no no slide <laughs> bar here to cut the tape or advance it it automatically advances the tape as the wheel turns forward so it's it's like a completely different animal and right uh, so, so i really enjoy that and i i really appreciate that you know aaron was able to help me you know acquire this yeah uh, does that tool uh now can can you can you fill up that tool with mud and run it right now i haven't tried yet i'm still okay. I have to figure it out i i don't i haven't 
I think it will. Everything seems to operate, but it's, you know, that's, I, I would love to do some videos of some of this old stuff yes. point myself and get out there. It's, you know, but yeah. I was just going to say, man, if you ever fill that up and run it, have somebody video it and edit it, that's really good content for the drywall community. Even if you send it to me or whatever, I mean, we, you know, we can share it around and stuff. Now, Very now cool. Or I would send it to Aaron and he could sponsor the video, you know. Well, that might be interesting. You never know and what it, the future might hold. That would bring that would bring you. This is what I call guerrilla marketing. That would bring you uh, uh, marketing. Here's another very cool tool. Yeah, this one here would be like an early, similar to what Applitech has. If you're if you're used to ever seen the pneumatic tools, I've heard of it. This here, I've actually seen a video to or on online. Uh, this is the automatic taper head. This actually pops off, and this is this probably goes back into the 1960s. Okay. And this is uh, originally the company was called Nico, and then in about 1964, Elmer Schrock and his brothers bought the company, and then it became Versatool. But this okay. tool would have had a taping head on it, and it would have also had heads that you could put on that would apply the mud, very similar to what the um, the tape tech mud runner or the yeah. shot would uh, yeah. the difference being you, you pressurize the back end of the gun with, and then you had a little dial here. You'd pressurize the back <laughs> of the gun with your pressure. And then as you filled the tool, the pressure would increase. And then as you, as you would pull your, this was, it looks actually like bicycle parts here as you pull yeah. the trigger, then the mud, the mud would flow out. So this is a, you know, very cool thing. I've kind of like a precursor, a precursor to the continuous flow sort of systems. Kind of. Now, now that you say that, though, the funny thing is, is one of the very first uh, bazookas that came out from Ames was basically continuous flow. So the very okay. first one before the modern bazooka came out where there were no hoses attached. Uh, it's funny how how history is kind of cyclical, you know? So yeah. basically what we, what they came out with first was a big hopper. And I think the hopper itself weighed about 80 pounds. And if I'm correct, the motor that drove the thing was basically off of a 1930s Chevy truck. If I remember correctly, um, Johnny Payne uh, was out, he worked out at drywall master and he also worked with the, with the Ames brothers when they were first, building their tools. So okay. I, I was friends with him years ago um, before he had passed away. And I'd ask him a lot of questions. I'd sit on the phone and I'd just pick his brain about all this old stuff because, you know, the guys just aren't there anymore. You know, it's so yeah. I had an opportunity and, and like Bruce, Bruce Gust out at Al's. I mean, he was one of the first guys that was really promoting um, automatic taping tools after you could sell them after, you know, it wasn't just rentals anymore. And so I got to I got to get a hold of Bruce too. Well, Bruce is he passed away here. Uh, oh, okay. Ago, unfortunately, okay. and he was. See, I never never got to meet him personally, but you know, I had always wanted to take a trip out and see his collection. Yeah, and, you, know, you know, and but it just you know, but I did get to spend a lot of time talking to him. He was a great guy. A lot of people yeah. in the industry knew him. He was he was definitely a character. And uh, yeah, what happened? Great... What happened to that collection that he had? Uh, well, I believe his, I believe his, um, his family probably still has it. You know, I'm not, I, I couldn't okay. say 
exactly for sure, but he had, you know, I, like I said, I had sent him some pieces. Actually, the, the early automatic taper, he had a couple of those that basically would have been hooked to the hopper. And then you had a hose. So the very first bazookas ha- was a continuous flow system. Then it basically the, the modern bazooka, they came out and it was basically, you know, marketed, hey, you're not attached to cords and hoses anymore. Yeah. And now we've come full circle back to, you know, here's a hopper that you can basically yeah. run for, you know, a long time. You don't have to refill it, you know. So it's basically, you know, going around and around. And it's, you know, everybody's always trying to improve on. Yeah. So yeah. So it's pretty interesting. Now, um, Elmer, Elmer Schrock, I actually picked up this, this Versa tool from him. I visited him a couple of years ago out, out in Illinois. And uh, he has a he has a small shop where he sells and repairs tools out there in, in Arthur, Illinois. And a lot of people, you know, probably old timers might know Elmer. He's a great guy. One of, he's one of my one of my drywall tool heroes out there. He's just always happy. He has a good attitude, you know, willing to share information. And, cool. Uh, he'd be a fun he'd be a fun one to interview, too. Um, it's cool that there's people out there that are preserving this information, I would say. You know, it almost makes me think there should be like sort of a drywall museum or something where where, you know, these tools could be displayed and and visible Um, maybe on your website. When you when you create your website, you could have like, you know, these tools, a list of the tools, maybe a video of you like running it, you know, once or something. I do have I do have some things posted on. We have an East Coast Drywall Tools has a Facebook page. So okay. You can, you can go there, scroll down through, and I've you know I've okay. done my best. Again, I'm not a techie guy, but every once in a while, I'll uh, I'll post some things you know that you might never yeah. see. I also collect old signage. You know, I have some early uh, USG signs and oh, you know, cool, all different types of old porcelain signs, and also clocks and advertising. Um, I have a 19. I think it was the I, I'm not sure it was. I think it was the second. USG picnic from from the 19 I think it was the 1920s where they basically it was a it's one of those big panoramic photographs that shows everybody that was working for USG at the time and they were having their family picnic and it's just neat to me to see all the early faces that basically go back and kind of you know as basically the start of this industry you know pioneers yeah of the industry you know the drywall itself I think goes back into the teens you know and then it started to catch on a little bit into the 1930s but it really didn't gain a lot of popularity until after world war ii and you know and then people were coming coming back from war and they were looking for you know housing boom you know the 1950s started to take hold you know and then said in the 1960s it was it was really starting to catch on fire and that's when you know my father got involved so it's yeah uh, but there's a lot of history. It's amazing how how big the industry actually is. Well, I was going back. I was like kind of taken off from your timeline in the 1960s when you were working for your dad. I'm sort of trying to bridge the gap between uh, Derek starts working for his dad and you're a tool enthusiast and you own a tool company. Like uh, how, you know, how did, uh, you know, I'm sure you worked for your dad for a while. You were running the tools um, did you take over the company? How did that, how did that go? Well, basically I didn't start, my dad started in the 1960s. I didn't start until the uh, mid eighties is when okay. I got involved. And, uh, basically I was, again, I was 14. 
I'm just learning how to spread mud, spot nails. I'm working summers, um, basically, and then going back to school in, in the, in the, whenever that was time. So I didn't know a lot about the early tool things, but like I said, is my, my father decided that he wanted his own, he wanted to do his own rental business and he wanted to build his own brand. So, okay. I don't have all the details because I just wasn't, um, I wasn't on a level where they were sharing everything with me in my early days. So, okay. but he did buy, there was a, there was a couple stores or a chain of stores here on the East coast. That was, I think it was, I don't know if they were all called the same thing, but it was I 81 drywall tool and supply. So my dad and his brothers, they bought a couple of these stores that were rental tool stores. And in the meanwhile, they started gearing up and making parts and starting to build their own tools. Okay. So some of the, the Wilco, brands, the Wilco brand, the Wilco brand. Yes. So some of the early tools that we were, we were doing were actually called uh tape master. So tape master was a brand that came out and they were building a really nice brand of tool. And, um, and actually the guys that are the tape tech or Ames or the company that owns them at some point bought tape master. And um, basically, so there's a transition where the tools changed a little bit. Um, but our early tools that we were renting that we started off with were a lot of the tape master stuff. And okay. now, basically, the guys that are currently building the, the drywall master tools are the guys that were building the, uh, the tape master stuff. Okay. So, so there's a lot of, a lot of neat, neat little uh, nuances and changes yeah. that, that have happened in the industry. Yeah. Yeah. So so my cool. so basically in the 90s after after my father started building tools we were still in the drywall business. So we were using that we could go out and we were turning a lot of houses so we always had a good platform to test new tools. So I would be given like you know two of the things that I do a lot of work on are the angle heads and the bazookas and are the automatic tapers. And you know, the, uh, the angle heads can be a little finicky to set up, but as we were learning to build our own, I would be given a handful of them, maybe 10 heads, and they would all be set up just slightly different. And I, you know, they tell me, Hey, take these out and run these, take notes, figure out which one runs best, which one leaves more mud on, which one leaves less mud on, you know, and give feedback. So some of my, my early days, I was actually doing testing for the tools. And then, uh, well, as time went on, I became an antique and uh, enthusiast in general. So I started, you know, buying and trading some antiques. And eventually, I that was getting a little out of control. I started to try to put some of those skills into the antique drywall tools. So some of my interest is actually because I was involved in manufacturing the tools. Some of these antique tools I buy because I like to see the technology. I like okay. to see how did these guys do this? Okay. You know, these like these some yeah. of these old tools that I've showed you. I've spent hours sometimes trying to find the original patents on the government website, you know. So I'll sit there for hours and I'll look up, you know, drywall tool patents just to see what kind of technology was out there and you know, and look at the drawings. And it's just uh, it's just somewhat fascinating to me, you know, because I got to work not only was I doing drywall, but I was working in the machine shop, you know, turning knobs helping to produce some of the tools. I, I wasn't, yeah. I'm not a machinist, but, but I got involved in, you know, some of the secondary operations and I can do, 
you know, I can do some, you know, machining as far as yeah. it goes too. So, okay, that so, makes so sense. This, this trade got me into a lot of different things, you know, yeah. and, it, and, it, and that's what I kind of like to share with people. You know, you don't necessarily got to get stuck in a rut. You know, you're working for somebody else day in and day out, just spreading mud or sand. And there's yeah. a lot of things you can do in drywall in, in general. And it, it crosses over to a lot of different businesses. You know, just like I said, it's um, early on, I knew very little about computers. And my cousin taught me how to sell things on eBay. So I started okay. selling antiques on eBay. So, And that just that one little thing there led me to a, a, a much larger understanding of technology, you know? Yeah. So even, you know, even, you know, you're getting to talk to people and you're setting up podcasts. I mean, I'm sure you find similar things in your yeah. own life. Yeah. I mean, the website and uh, marketing and uh, the e-commerce side of Fresco Harmony, because that wasn't like, you know, as a small business in this industry, it's hard for me to go to L&W, some of these big dogs, you oh, know, yeah. and they don't want, they don't care, you yeah, know. So people are knocking down the doors <laughs> asking for your product. It's a little bit hard to, you know. But yeah, them. but, um, you know, like you hadn't heard of it or whatever, which is fine. You know, we've been selling, I've been selling for 10 years. Like it's interesting though, I can use this little thing called the internet and social media, and I can just post a picture on a drywall page that has 50,000 followers, and you're instantly connected to thousands of drywallers across the country. And then now, all of a sudden, they don't need to go to a store. They can just order it right online and I can, you know, but I, but like you're talking about, I had to learn about shipping. I had to learn about the internet. I had to learn about, I mean, the this podcast opened up a whole Pandora's box of skill sets that's just phenomenal. I can interview anyone from anywhere in the world. It's pretty crazy and cool, but you know that one thing sort of blossoms onto another. I will say that as drywallers, you're a little bit more open-minded than most. We do tend to be a, clo a more closed-minded crew and and it's harder it's hard for some of us to break out you know oh. of that of those ruts well that I, that's <laughs> now that you say that that that's a skill that i had to learn yes so you're very yeah. true everybody is very very narrow minded and yeah. so in my own so i can remember back maybe i was in my 20s when i would be here and i'd be selling tools right i would have a group of guys walk in the door and they they would be they would be covered, they would have a lot of mud on them, right? And they'd yeah. be covered head to toe. And I'd ask them, I'd say, are you guys uh, running the banjo? Are you banjo guys? And they, they would laugh and they'd look mystified. Yeah, how did you know that? And I'm just like, I'm just guessing. But, you know, to me, it was funny. And, you know, yeah, it, it was a little bit, me. it was a little bit of a put down. Yeah. But, but what I learned later is, because basically we never ran banjos. I, I've never really operated a banjo. And it's a wonderful tool. And a lot of people can and uh, can really go super fast with it. Oh yeah. So even so, after that time period, I was actually I was looking through some videos of guys running these banjos, and man, they're boogieing along. These guys are flying yeah. with this thing. Yeah, and you'll have two. You'll have two dudes stringing and a couple of dudes wiping. Sure. And, 
It's so fast. I mean, it's it's never going to match. Now, there's people that will argue this point. I think it's a little funny, but it's yeah. never going to match the speed of an automatic taper. No. But but I thought, okay, well, that's there's no shame in this. These guys are doing good. So yeah, I started to come to the realization that what my job is and what it has become now is I want to take a guy where he's at with his current knowledge, and I want to speed him up and help him to get a better finished product. So that became my job. So if a person wasn't ready to, to buy, you know, spend five, $6,000 on a whole set of automatic tools, but if I could take and I could show them a couple different techniques or a couple tools that were, were more in the budget and I could, and I could speed them up, then once they, once they had that down, they were coming back to me for the next yeah. level. So Smart. that's where that's where I, you know, I had to, you know, I had to grow up a little bit and not, yeah. you know, you so, hook them, you hook them with the nail spotter. <laughs> well, there's, you know, there's so many different things that you can do in, yeah. in this trade and so many different ways to go about it. You know, there's a guy, you can be driving a Chevette with a handful of tape and knives and trowels, and you can go out and do patchwork and earn decent money. Yeah. Or, or you can, like I said, or you can run a whole crew and you can be banging out taping two houses a day like we used to yeah you know yep. so you can't so for what i'm doing right now i can't be stuck in a mindset i have to be open-minded you know and i've always always exposed to all the newest best stuff out there my dad if he saw it in a magazine he was interested in it he was he was like the first guy on the phone to find out about stuff um i remember back when they first came out with 54 inch wide drywall Dad saw it and it was either uh, walls and ceilings or construction dimensions. And he's like, he's on the horn like that day trying to find out how to get a hold of it. Oh, and wow. You, and you couldn't get it east of the Mississippi River at that point unless you took a whole truckload of it. So he calls up his supplier and he says, hey, you know, I want this board. Get this in for me. And he said, well, the, the guy wasn't open to it. He's like, the hangers aren't going to want that. That stuff's too, you know, it's too heavy. You know, it's nobody's yeah. going to want it. So he went, yeah. he went to his other supplier. He goes, get this in for me. He goes, well, I got to take a whole truckload. He goes, I don't care. I'll take the whole truckload. He goes, so basically they brought the truckload in. They delivered half of it to us. And, you know, we burned through it. The hangers loved it. They had less cutting to do. We had less. We didn't and have now, to Stop me if I'm wrong for the, for the listeners that don't know a 54, that would be for your nine foot ceiling so that you don't have a belly band. Correct. That is correct. Yep, you yeah. got it. So that belly band, typically, you ended up, whenever you would trowel your drywall, even if you were using automatic tools, typically you had to finish that that band about three feet wide all the way around. And if the whole downstairs was nine foot, well, you had that all the way around the whole entire house. Yep. The yep. So so this 54-inch wide board was just a lifesaver. And uh, yeah. but anyway, he went back. He we, we burned through all that. And he went back for his... <laughs> next half a load and he goes and he said oh well uh i i already sold all that <laughs> so ah. basically we were off to the races so basically yeah. we, were, we were the first we were the first guys you know east of the mississippi well, and kudos to that supplier too for not being so damn resistant it's not just the app it's not just the tradesmen in this trade it's the damn suppliers it goes all the way up that resistance to change it's yeah. fascinating to me you know that supplier was a front runner in the 54 inch board and, 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 you know, over his competitors in the area. But, but we were doing enough at that point where, 
and, and that was actually not, I don't know, that might have been not long after we actually would stock our own board back before they had all these drywall suppliers and they were stocking, you know, with all the boom trucks and any everything. Um, in our area here, we were the second person to have a boom truck. So um, we okay. had a 1968 Diamond Rio is what, what we used to stock, stock the sheetrock. And then once um, the suppliers started coming in and we would basically, we were buying the board direct. We would have, you know, six, eight tractor trailer loads of board show up here. And we had it stacked everywhere whenever I was a kid, you know, yeah. basically stacks of drywall is what I played on. That was my jungle gym. I was climbing yeah. up these, you know, 15 foot stacks of drywall and jumping yeah. from stack to stack. I mean, that's kind of what my life was as a, as a child, you know, Yeah. and it's just, uh, you know, so it's kind of, you know, it gets ingrained in your blood. And do you still have that 68 uh, boom truck today? Uh, we do not. I wish I did, but the, uh, <laughs> I the, bet the you local, do. <laughs> their local scrapyard was using the boom on it. They may still have it, but um, somewhere I have on our old, uh, we had Zippo lighters from 1970s. You yeah. know, basically that was a popular thing to give out. Yeah. And uh, so I have, I do have some of those with some pictures on it of the old. Oh, funny. Truck. So we Funny, had, you guys you guys gave out Zippo lighters, but everybody's probably smoked back then, right? Oh, everybody smoked back then. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you got it. I mean, it's um, it's completely different world. Everybody smoked on the job sites. You know, it was yeah. you know it was a very popular thing to do. And uh, yeah. things change. I mean, it's yeah, you know, it's uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, I'm glad I smoked for a while as a young guy, but you know, that they gave that up a long time ago. That's smart. <laughs> <laughs> uh so cool i appreciate your uh i appreciate your time coming on to the drywall podcast and talking to us about some of this old stuff it's pretty cool right it's not so bad no it's not not hard to do i mean it's, <laughs> it's really it's really funny whenever like i said i you know i shared a little story about you know linda ferguson talking about you know being enthusiastic about drywall but it's yeah uh, you know, but there is a lot to talk about and you can, you yeah, know, your life experiences, you know, the, the trade that you're in, you can, you can weave a lot of things into it. And, you know, at this point, it's, it's really good to share with other people. And I like to see some of the online communities out there sharing knowledge, you know, and ways of doing things. And yeah, uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of put downs and a lot of, you know, people yeah. getting on each other's, but that's always in drywall. So I try to be, you know, Somebody can criticize the way I do something. Yeah, that's fine, but I, I try to yeah. I try to build the trade, you know. And I, and I like to see other people in the industry that have basically gone a long way to doing that, you know. You know, I've seen, uh, you know, I've seen level five tools. I've seen them come up over the last twenty years. I was I was at the drywall convention where whenever Scott Murray first came out with these line of tools, you know, twenty maybe five years ago. I'm not exactly sure, you know, so I got to meet him a long time ago, you know, the guys yeah. at Columbia, the drywall master guys, just, you know, there's just so many, you know, interesting characters in the trade. And then yeah. I try, and that's kind of why I'm not really so interested in pushing a brand of my own because I like interacting. I like what I do. I like teaching people how to use the tools and I like interacting with all the companies and, you know, but you guys still manufacture Wilco tools and sell them, correct? Not, I, I do not. I'm not really selling uh, okay. the, whole, the tools. I just make, you know, a couple of the parts. Like I said, hard to find parts. Oh, right, parts. Like, like what? What's a good example of a part that you would manufacture for an old tool that doesn't necessarily exist? 
Well, you know, some of the blades, some of the some of the different. I'm um, trying to think off the top of my head what would what would work in them. I still have like the originals. I have some old school guys that like the original single sided taper blades. Well, I think I I'm pretty much the only guy that might have those now. They're right. the blade. There's just uh, and we also we do make a, uh, a a drywall sander where it's it basically is a dust dust free type of a drywall sander. We sell we sell some of those. Okay. Uh, but like I said, I, I'm into so many things that some of the manufacturing type things have taken a second place to basically okay. selling the automatic tools and teaching the guys. Because like I said, uh, helping people learn and operate the tools, that kind of has become my passion. Also collecting the old stuff. And as far as the museum goes, that's that's one of my goals also. I would like to get all the stuff on display here at some point. And yeah. We're working towards that. Well, a, a website is a fantastic way to do that as well. You, know, you get a photographer out, you stage the tools real nice. You know, you can have an archival section of the website where, you know, people can go in and check out all these cool old tools. Um, and what a resource, too, for guys out there that have older tools that maybe think that they aren't, that they're they're just sitting in the corner and they they can't use them because they couldn't find a part or something. You've got Derek Trout with East Coast Drywall Tools. Uh, you can call him up on the phone, I'm sure, and uh, be like, okay. "Hey, man, I, I got this old tool. Where do I send it?" Type of thing. Yeah, and if I don't have parts for it, or you want something more modern, I do some horse trading. So if you have something cool <laughs> that I want, and you want a new bazooka, we can we can work out a deal. I mean, it's you know we have we have all the good stuff here. Um, I got a couple of cool banjos sitting here that yeah, let's check them out. Might not have seen. And also too, because this is mostly an audio, it's mostly an audio version. Uh, seeing some of these old cool tools, I'd have to splice these out and put them as like little vignettes onto the Drywall Podcast uh, page. Just, just, just so you know, like oh, that's fine. I just yeah. you know, but you get a chance to see them. But this is. This here Dude. is a very early banjo. I'm guessing probably from the 1950s. Uh, so it, it cool. weighs about 10 pounds. It's actually like a cast aluminum. I couldn't imagine actually using this, but uh, but it's just a really really neat tool. And then uh, and how does that how does that work? Let's see it. Let's see it a little bit more there. So it's well, similar it to it's similar to a banjo. The tape sits in there. You just don't. It doesn't look like you have very much. Uh, room for the mud um but it, it I basically okay. set up to operate you know the the adjustment on the front here it's it's similar to what a, a, a new banjo would be but just like i said the handles cast in place it's just oh a, my gosh it's just a beast you know yeah. and it was actually it was called a superior taper and it was being sold by goldblatt back in the day interesting now here's interesting. another this is an interesting one here this was told to me that this was an early prototype made by Ames taping tools. Um, now I okay. tried to verify it. Uh, the person I got it from was an antiques dealer and the, he got it from an old guy that gave him the story. So I'm almost certain that it's true, but, and I, um, it's all riveted construction. Everything does look to be uh, made as a prototype. I've never seen these in production anywhere. This is the only one that I've ever seen. But there's and, probably uh, someone at Ames that you could get in touch with that could verify. I'm sure it's possible. I, I asked Johnny Payne about it and he uh, 
he said he didn't remember seeing it in the early days, but you know, it was definitely, he could see it was definitely handcrafted and, uh, oh, yeah. and it probably wouldn't, uh, wouldn't that have thing, surprised him. So. That thing's a dinosaur, man. So it's, I'm always looking and, and I, <laughs> these things are far and few between, you know, my customers have brought me some things, you know, some of them okay. just give them to me just so I can put yeah. them on display or I'll, you know, I purchase them too. If people have any interesting old uh, drywall related memorabilia. I'm, uh, I'm always looking. So for sure, if you have, if you're out there listening and you have some, some, some cool old drywall stuff, I'm sure that Derek would be interested in talking to you about that as well. I was going to do Rick Moore was going to be my first uh, episode. He does drywall hand finishers. Okay. Um, yeah, he was getting picked on on the Drywallers Worldwide Facebook page. Do you go on some of the Facebook pages? Oh, yeah. I, I, yes, I do. I check. OK, out. so he was getting picked on a little bit. So he went over and started Drywall Hand Finishers, you know, because he's a hand finisher. He's like, hey, yep. screw you. Screw you guys. You know, I have to finish him by hand. I can go faster than you tool guys any day of the week, you know, blah, blah, blah. And um, and so he went over and started hand finishers page. And now, of course, they get into debates about tools over there. They're like, hey, this is a hand finishers page. Get out of here. <laughs> get out of here with your box tools. <laughs> he likes those tools, too, though. I've seen some yeah. of the old tools that he's posted. And he, yeah, he's, he's a good guy. And he's, posted. yeah. And I don't think he's necessarily opposed to automatic tools. It's usually, it's usually the other people on the site that are say, oh, this is a hand finishers, you know. You know, yeah, yeah. You guys get wrapped up in it. But I, I always hear the I hear all types of debates where I, I hear guys, oh, do you use a pan and knife or you use a hawk and a trowel or do you use, you know, or do you use this and that? Yeah. You know, and in my experience, we basically had to learn everything. So we used pans and knives for certain things. Uh we used hawk and trowel for, for certain things. So, you know, I learned basically all the hand aspects of it, you know, and if it's gonna be your career you know, you should really be a good hand finisher along with yeah. the tools. And in the end, if you know what you're looking at, you're going to get the professional results that you're looking for. You know, it, it's hard for a homeowner to go out and buy a set of automatic tools and get good results. I mean, it's not, that's really not yeah. that. Where, But if you're a builder and you want to do everything from start to finish, you know, you might get away with it. You can do your own drywall, but you're not going to be a professional drywall finisher just because you're using tools. Right. It's really, it's really learning those, you know, drywall for, for a, a big part of it is a lot of feel, you know, so learning how the mud works underneath of the tools and how to spread it and get it smooth and flat. It's, it, there's a lot of feel involved in it because, yeah. you know, I hear, you know, guys, they want to know, you want to use blue steel knives or stainless steel knives. That's right. one that pops up sometimes. And what I found <clears> is whatever you learned on is typically what you're going to end up liking, you know, so because they both have a different feel. I prefer. Well, I have a, I have an opinion about that. Um, go ahead. What's your opinion? <laughs> well, there's a couple of schools of thought there. Um, early on, when I was using stainless, the bigger knives would wave. Oh, I noticed, yeah. and then the 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 blue steel would keep its shape a little better. Um, I was never like uh, I was always too dumb and young to know any better, and I moved around a lot, so that kept me kind of from knowing. Of course, I still know everything, but like you know, when I was young, 
younger and learning the trade, I, I would move around and they'd be doing it a different way in a different area. And so I would just adapt to what they were doing. And I had a boss when I moved to Crested Butte that was, they were doing a texture with a pool trowel and a hawk. And I had never, I was like, this is what they're doing. I may as well get this hawk and this pool trowel and start doing this texture. And, um, you know, uh, (laughs) now I can use a hawk and trowel and a panda knife. If, you know, if I'm finishing corner bead or something like that, I would probably use a pan and knife, uh, you know, if, if I have my druthers, but that's, that's, and now we use stainless steel pool trowels because the shank, you have less distance that pool trowel. If it's stainless, first of all, the sealer that we use is acrylic. So it cleans off the, the stainless better blue steel will rust. And then when you're doing color, cause color is a whole new world. Right. Like when you're doing a lighter color and you get a little strip of rust in your sealer, well, that's going to stay there. You can't, (laughs) you can't have that. So stainless has become, and I used to use steel pool trowel for a long time. And then finally we've graduated to stainless pool trowel uh, for Fresco Harmony, you know? Right. Some of the early stainless steel trials that I, that I, that we tried to use, they wouldn't cut the edge quite as tight so that when you would go to sand, you would actually, there would be more of an edge that, to sand. Uh, later, I think Marshalltown started coming out with what they called the gold stainless. And that actually works very similar to, to a, you know, a steel trowel. So it's, again, it's, it's really, you know, with your yeah. application, it makes sense. You know, and yeah, I, and I've gotten I mean, the gold stainless and I'm like, well, this doesn't work because it's like a steel, <laughs> you know, it's right. like you got and I've tried the carbon, the I think carbon steel mm-hmm. also really expensive. Same thing. We've we've and then so it's it's got to be like stainless um, right. for, yep. for us. Definitely. Yep. So it depends on what you're working with, what you want to use. Depends so that's on why whenever doing. I hear all, I see all these arguments, I, I try to stay out of them a lot of times because yeah. it's just, some of it's just silly to me because like we were talking about earlier, I, I can't be so opinionated because I talk with such a, a diverse group of people and yeah. depending on the results they're trying to get, I, I want to be open-minded and get them the best results that I can and the best advice that I can give them. So there is a uh, there is a group called uh, Mentors. I'm not sure if you've seen that one. Drywall Mentors page that was started by a uh, Mudman Dan, and uh, you're supposed to be nice there. You're supposed to offer <laughs> like the angels of drywall, you know, uh, where you can go and ask square footage price and things like that without getting uh, without getting beat up too bad. Um, but yeah, it's called the drywall uh, mentors page. It's, it's a, it's a pretty cool page. Okay. I'll have to check that out. For sure. I know one, one of my customers, uh, Leo Bouchard, he had started a group where they do some mentoring as well. And he's done some videos on YouTube and he's a, uh, he's a pretty cool guy, you know, out there trying to help people, you know, learn some of the, learn some of the different techniques. So. He, yeah. I think uh, I've seen his name before Leo Bouchard. Um, Another thing that I do, Derek, for most all of my episodes is I request from you a pearl of wisdom that you can bestow upon the drywall community before we wrap up. What would you say if you could put something on a billboard 
all these crazy drywall guys and gals could see? Well, the thing I would like to share is, you know, don't be afraid to share some of your knowledge with somebody else, especially a younger person. Um, you know, a lot of people will be, um, they want to keep everything proprietary. They don't want somebody to learn something because they're afraid that they're going to go into business against them. You know, yeah. share what you know. You're not taking <laughs> it with you to the grave. And it really, I've never found that it, that it comes back to bite me too much. I've helped guys learn how to repair tools, even though, you know, that's the business I'm in. You know, if I see a spark that somebody's going to be doing a good job, or they're going to be, you know, bringing something positive to the trade or to the world in general, go ahead and share, you know, you don't, you know, just, you know, be kind and, and share, share what you know. And that's, that's kind of the point. And that's part of the reason that I enjoy what I do now is because I can take my past experiences and I can help somebody move beyond what they're doing at this point. And that's, I guess, in a nutshell, what, you know, what I would share as far as a pearl of wisdom, if it's, you know, if you want to call it that. Beautiful. Um, and where do you see this uh, drywall, this um, East Coast taping tool, uh, sorry, East Coast drywall tools uh, thing going? I mean, do you, you know, do you, is there an in game here? Or you just, you, you enjoy what you're doing. You're just going to keep doing it as, as, as long as you want. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know about an end game, but, you know, I want to continue to share uh, and teach people. I mean, ultimately, as I teach one person and it expands out, you know, that's how the world grows. That's how we become better at anything as a society. So that's so I'm taking my own little my own little corner of the world and trying to improve it. Um, that's it. I would like to expand out and I'd like to do some instructional videos at some point. If I get to I would love to, you know, set up a little operation where I can just share you know, just some of the basics and, you know, and it's not that big a deal, man. You could set up your computer just like you're doing right now and have a little two minute, like, like, let's say, you know, a cutter blade, um, suggestions, you know, that would be a really simple one minute, you know, here's some tips that I've found. Hey, this is Derek Trout from East coast, you know, we're we're coming. We're we're just going to talk to you for a minute here about the cutter blade and how to preserve the life of your cutter blade. That's well, you know, one thing. A little bit of inspiration, you know, that goes a <laughs> long way. I mean, it's it's really you know you encouraging. I mean, you're doing your podcast. You figured out how to get on video. You know, telling somebody else they can do it. You know, sometimes it adds yeah. a little nudge to get to help somebody get a well, motor. There's this like idea that like oh, it has to be perfect before I do it. And it's like, dude, just like put a video camera in front of you and film the damn thing and throw it up. I have to admit, I, I get stuck <laughs> in that rut myself. I, you, yeah. know, you want everything, all your ducks in a row. And, you know, even even talking to you, I, you know, being like I said, I'm not I'm not the young, you know, I'm not the 20 year old that's that's wrapped up in the social media yeah. has been yeah. born into it. It was it was new. You know, I remember it was funny when I was in high school. I remember being in, in my history class. And and my a buddy of mine, his dad was super smart into early computer stuff, and we he had written a report, and you had to list your references. Well, he listed the internet as a reference. Well, nobody knew about the internet, yeah. and, and they're like, "What is this?" You know. And back then, it was basically it was starting to gain its popularity because you know the Grateful Dead were basically they were acquiring their tickets and and setting up their shows, and they were they were like one of the first people that were actually making use of the internet. And uh, and now we're here. We can, you know, it's like Star Trek, man. You know, bring it up 
bring it up on the screen and you talk face to face and it's cool. Uh, and, and I'm recording it. I'm recording the, this entire video. Like, yeah. like I, I probably won't save, I'll save the video um, in its raw format. This will get uh, downloaded as an audio version, but how cool is that? I can like save this entire clip. <laughs> it's, it's a really cool thing, you know, and it's, it is. And it's nice that you can document some of it, you know, and, you know, that people care, totally. but, you know, beyond, beyond, you know, what we're doing now, you know, we're going to continue to expand. We're looking, you know, for a larger location where, you know, I want to do, like I said, I would like to do trainings. You know, I got a handful of uh, tool ideas floating around in the back of my brain because, you know, like I said, I, I enjoy the technology. I like to make things work. I like coming up with different ideas. So, yeah, there's probably some cool things coming along. I mean, we're we're always working yeah. towards something new. You don't want to be stagnant. You always want to be driving towards something and always, you know, like I said, and that's another thing I'd like to share. Don't don't get stuck in your own rut, you know, like like I used to be, you know, banjo or the highway. I mean, or the bazooka or the highway, you know. Yeah. Learn everything. Learn what you can and, you know, because it it'll all apply at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Derek Trout, East Coast Drywall Tools. You can get a hold of Derek at info at eastcoastdrywall.com. Uh, you have a Facebook page that you post stuff on sometimes. Maybe you'll post some of the photos of the tools that you showed on this podcast so that people could go onto your Facebook page and check them out. Yep. They probably, um, some are probably already on there, but I'll repost okay. them. So if they're at the top repost of the page them. And, and then some guys can check it out. And, and then what, what Facebook page is that? East coast drywall. I think I, I'm sure okay. you'll find it. I mean, it might tell you the truth. I can't remember if East coast That's drywall okay. tools. It's, you know, I'm sure if you'd look it up, you'll, you'll find me there somewhere. And then what's the website domain name that you're kicking around that you uh, may have in the future? Should be eastcoastdrywalltools.com. Okay. All right. Cool. Derek Trout, 53, out of Mechanicsburg, aptly named Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania, um, where you're a mechanic and you're there doing cool stuff with drywall tools. Thanks for being on the Drywall Podcast today. Hey, well, thanks for having me. And I, I look forward to learning more about your materials in, in, the, in your Fres Fresno, Fresco Harmony. And uh, yeah. Yeah, maybe we'll uh, maybe I'll get to spread some of that and check it out and use it on a little project. So yeah, I'll send you a uh, I'll send you a sample pack. I'll be get, getting your information and I'll send you a free sample pack. You can check it out and mix up a batch and and do like do a sample or do like a small wall or something. Sounds good. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, sir. Have a good rest of your day. We'll talk soon. You too. Take care. Right, bye. Special thanks to Derek Trout of East Coast Drywall Tools for being on the Drywall Podcast with us today. Check out their Facebook page. It's very cool, and you can see a lot of the vintage tools discussed on this episode of the Drywall Podcast there. Shout out to Columbia Tools for sponsoring the month of June on the Drywall Podcast. Here's the deal, folks. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. At Columbia, customer satisfaction is their battle cry. Their top priority is to give you a grade A experience from start to finish. Got a question, got a concern, anything, they're ready to help you out. 
So if you are ready to step up your drywall finishing game and unleash the fury of Columbia Tools, visit their website, www.columbiatools.com, or Instagram, or TikTok, or Facebook pages, and check out the online community now. The Drywall Podcast can be listened to every Friday with a new episode on your favorite platforms such as Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and also YouTube. The Drywall Podcast was also brought to you by Fresco Harmony. Fresco Harmony, making walls better since 2004, now available at csrbuilding.com. Shout out to CSR for giving each guest of our drywall podcast a sweet swag bucket to have and hold and love and all that good stuff thank you so much for joining us on the drywall podcast today i hope that all of you have a fantastic weekend and remember keep drywalling